0: welcome to the give back economy a podcast about social innovation and social enterprise now with your host peter miller so welcome and today we have a lovely lady from edinburgh scotland and uh her name is katherine jones and Catherine, i hadn't told her about this in advance but I did an ancestry uh, check, and I'm 73% Scottish in terms of my ancestry. So, welcome, uh, Catherine.
1: Thank you very much for having me.
0: So, let's start with your education first. Where did you go to school?
1: So, the primary school I went to was Drumbrae Primary School, and that no longer exists, unfortunately. Then, um, after that, I went to Craig Mount High School. And that's where my education ends. Um, I left school at 16 and went straight into to work. Um, so I had multiple jobs when I was 16. I had four different jobs, all going at the same time, all part-time jobs. Um, and then I moved into a full-time job. Um, and that's probably where my passion for charity, which working for charity started. Um, I was working for an animal charity. Um, so a lot of my education in terms of what I'm doing now um, was done in the workplace.
0: So you are street smart.
1: I'm very street smart.
0: Okay, so... When did you eventually end up working for the organization that you're working for? Were there other jobs before that?
1: Yeah, so um, I worked in, after my, as I say, I had lots of jobs when I was a young adult. Um, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. Um, And then I started working for Edinburgh Zoo, the world-famous Edinburgh Zoo. And I started there as a general catering assistant, or server, you would call them in, in America. Um, and I I worked my way up the ladder, um, so I became the deputy general manager um, for that department. So the department was the catering department. Um, We did a lot of different catering there. We did visitor catering, so there was fast food restaurants, there was nice sit down restaurants, lots of ice cream stands, coffee shops. Uh, We also did a lot of events. Um, We did lots of weddings, and probably one of the highlights of my career at Edinburgh Zoo was organising an event, a, a dinner or when the giant pandas came to the zoo. And at that dinner, we had David Attenborough, and we had Princess Anne. So that was a massive highlight of work in there. And I also met Prince Philip um, at Edinburgh Zoo as well, who was very much a character, very naughty, very cheeky. And he had a, a twinkle in his eye. So, yeah, so I was at Edinburgh Zoo for 16 years, did all aspects of catering, all aspects of running a department. Um, I, I'm not the type of person to ask somebody to do something if I don't know how to do it. So I was a storeman for a while as well, learned how all the stores worked and stuff like that. Um, and then I got, I got very bored there. Um, I felt like I'd reached where I was going to go and I, I wasn't able to go any further. So I wanted to see what it was like to work for a big corporate company. And I left to go and work for the biggest corporate company I could find, which was McDonald's. So um, in McDonald's, I was the people manager. So that was HR. It was recruitment, training, staff engagement. um, So I was there for two years. I can't say I enjoyed it. I didn't enjoy it, um, because I'm very much a a free thinker. um, And that's the the free reign that I had in the zoo, the processes. We made up the processes ourselves, and the way that we would do things. We're in McDonald's. Everything's to the absolute letter. Um, the, the, The things that they have there are absolutely phenomenal to their equipment, to their training programs but it just wasn't for me. Um, and I didn't like working hard to line somebody's pockets. It, it almost feels a bit false because I work because I want to, I want to do something for the good, of, for the good of other people or, because um, when I worked in the zoo and um, all the profit that was made in the zoo was going all over the world to fund environmental programs all over the world. So, um, it, it would be like teaching people in Uganda how to use guns, um, and this was for, um, so in the, the Bodongo Forest in Uganda, the rangers there, so it was teaching them for to, to, to use guns for when the, the bushmeat hunters and stuff like that were coming in. Um, it was educating children in China, so all, all the money that was made was going to do good around the world and for the environment. Um, so after I left McDonald's and I came to the grass market Community Project, I wasn't really sure what I was coming into, to be honest. Um, the, the description on the website was a wee bit vague. And I asked at the interview what this place was. I knew it was a charity, but that was about it. Um, and I was told that it would, the people that came here wanted to learn um, employability skills and catering. And when I got here, I found out that that wasn't really the case. Um, so, the, the grass market project, I'll, I'll just tell you about a bit, a bit about that. We support um, what we would call vulnerable adults. So, that's anybody with any kind of complex issue. So, whether they've been homeless, um, suffered from addictions, um, mental health problems, mental health illness, um, learning difficulties, things like autism and Asperger's. So we support all these people um, and we do that a number of ways. So we run, um, first and foremost, we run our activities programme. So the activities are a mixture between recreational activities and educational So we have things like a choir, um, we have guitar lessons, we've got a cinema club, um, we do drama classes, we do IT classes, reading and writing classes, the list goes on and on. And a lot of these classes are teaching people life skills. And how we support our charity is we have a number of social enterprises because in, in Britain, once you become an established charity, it's very, very difficult to get funding the older you get. And we're going to be 11 years old this year. So we fund all of our charitable work through our social enterprises. And we've got a number of those as well. So our first social enterprise is, and um, we've got a, in our original social enterprise, is we have a woodwork shop. And they make commissioned furniture from old church pews. And we're in the very luxurious position of that we can sell this furniture for a lot of money because some of the pews that we're using are hundreds and hundreds of years old. And you can't buy the wood now that the pews are made from because of um, laws against deforestation and stuff like that. So... They make beautiful, beautiful furniture from old church pews. Um, we also have our own tartan, and it's called Greyfriars tartan. And one of the people we support, we call them members, so, because they're members of our community. So one of our members designed um, the Greyfriars tartan, and we make lots and lots of products out of that, um, and we sell that. Then we've got a number of catering um social enterprises. So we have a very busy cafe here in the grass market in Edinburgh um, and we get lots and lots of tourists in. So pre-COVID on a busy day we could have anywhere between 1,500 and 2,000 people come in our cafe on any one day. Um, we also have a large event space where we'll do lots of meetings, conferences, weddings. We've done a couple of funerals, um, film screenings. Um, So we do lots of events here as well. We do a lot of outside catering. Um, So we recently just did the General Assembly. So the General Assembly is the global meeting of the Church of Scotland in Edinburgh. So there's lots of people come from all over the world. And that's attended by about 1,200 people a day. So we, we do all the catering for that. And then we've got a number of staff canteens, where it might be in offices or on building sites. So we do that as well. And most of the people that work for us used to be members of our community. So we have they've maybe started to volunteer within the social enterprise. We've trained them. We've got them into some sort of routine. And once we know they're ready, then we'll employ them. So for example, Previous staff that we've had have been homeless, they've been drug addicts, um, we've had people in trouble with the police, and we've helped them turn their lives around. Um, And so they give back because they're working hard within the social enterprise to make money to put back to the charity.
0: So Catherine, what's your specific role in the organization?
1: So my specific role is I'm the Director of Social Enterprise. So all the social enterprises that I just mentioned there, I look after the, all, of the, all of them. And I actually missed one out. Our address is Candlemaker Row. And um, back in last year, when all of our social enterprises had to close because of COVID, I've got in a bit of panic because we weren't making any money, and I racked my brains to think about what we could do to make some money. And then I had a bit of a light bulb moment. I thought, well, we're on candle maker row. We may as well make some candles. So that's another social enterprise that we have is that we make candles and wax wax well, wax melts even, and then um, home fragrance. So I look after all those social enterprises on a day to day basis. Um, And we've recently just gone into partnership with a very large cathedral in Edinburgh. Um, They have a building that they're going to give us, and we're going to turn that into a very large social enterprise cafe in Edinburgh city centre. So that's going to open in July. And um, what we'll be doing there, so normal day-to-day will be for the regular public. And then probably one night to begin with, but we'll move on to another couple of nights as it goes on and we see how successful it is, we're going to open the doors for the homeless community. And they can come in and they can sit down in beautiful surroundings, order some food and order some drink, just like any regular customer could, but they don't need to pay. So we're moving away from the typical soup kitchen. and our the activity that we have down there in terms of making money that'll go to fund that, because um, there's there's lots of places in Edinburgh for the homeless community and the vul- vulnerable community to go and eat, but it's they're not always very dignified. It's standing in a queue waiting to see what they're going to come up with, where, where what we're going to do, they're going to come in like any regular customer, and they're going to get very good quality food, um, and they're going to get the, the service that our customers would normally get anyway.
0: So, Catherine, it's, it's not a place for people to stay. It's just to come for meals, is that correct?
1: The new cafe or the grass market?
0: <clears throat> the, the new place that you're opening yeah. up in July. Yeah.
1: Yeah, so it's just a cafe. Um, It's going to be a very large cafe. But they'll be able to come in and stay for a couple of hours, have some nice food, enjoy the company, each other, and the staff. Um, But we do a lot of signposting. So we'll probably have someone down there for people that are looking for benefits advice or advice to where they can stay that night. So we'll have someone down there at these times making sure that people are getting the advice that they need.
0: Well, you're definitely street smart. There's no question about that. You're also passionate about what you do, and that's what makes a difference. So talk, talk about the importance of partnerships.
1: So partnerships are very important, very, very important. When I arrived at the Grass Market, there was a cafe there, but there was no customers. And I had a stigma attached to it because people thought we were a homeless centre and they wouldn't necessarily come in. Um, there was not really the products that they were selling weren't very good. There was no real signage. Um, and as I say, when I arrived, it just, it just seemed like a waste to me. And my first thought, because my boss actually, we, my, my current boss, he arrived three months after me and we actually talked about just closing it down because it was running at a loss because it was paying wages, but it wasn't bringing in any money. And I mean, it wasn't bringing any money. It wasn't bringing in any money. Um, a very good day was £13. Um, so we, we spoke about closing it down, but I like a challenge. And I was like, no, I was like, give, give me some time with this and we'll see what we can do. And as I say, having the stigma of being a homeless centre attached to you is a very difficult thing to get rid of. So my initial thought was to get customers who wouldn't know what we were, who didn't know the area and had no preconceived ideas of of who we were. So I would look outside, because we see the Edinburgh Castle from here, and look outside, you'd have the castle, And then all these tourists would come by in tour groups. So I started to follow them. My boss tells everybody I stalked them. I just followed them to find out where they went. And one of the, the big companies, they're actually a global company, they stopped in a pub. And in the pub, there was a great big queue and maybe 60 people within this tour group. Trying to get coffee and the people in the hub, the pub even, had a push-button coffee machine that would take three minutes to dispense one cup of coffee. And I was like, we can do better than this, and no we can do better than this. So I started approaching all the tour companies, telling them what we could offer. And some of them got back to me and they were like, No, we we go to this place or we go to that place. Then one of them came into the building and she went, we would love to work with you. And I found out that um, she worked for Sandyman's New Europe Tours. So they're global um, and they're in the USA as well, because I went on a Sandyman's tour in New York. And um, I explained to her who we were and what we could do. And we did a trial period. So... The trial period was two weeks from that discussion. So I had the, the next two weeks was very, very frantic for me because we didn't have any staff. We had volunteers who had very complex issues. Um, so a lot of people, a lot of them had anxiety and the thought of a crowd coming in would set their anxiety off. I had to train them how to uh, um, be a barista. Um, I had to train them on customer service. So I had to get everybody through their food hygiene we had to get more seats because we didn't have enough seats. Anyway, my nerves were shocked the day that we did the very first tour group because they called in the morning and they started to say the amount of people that were on each tour and I started to panic and I'm not a panicker at all. I'm very chilled and very laid back and... Um, Anyway, to cut a long story short, we did the week's trial. It was a roaring success. Um, and the company decided that they were going to stay with us and they were going to bring their tour groups into to us. Overnight, it created eight jobs for our members. Um, the cafe, which was only open five days a week, had to go to seven days a week. We had to increase our opening hours. Um, and that's where we get our between 1500 and 2000 people from every day so five years later six years later sorry this partnership's going really still going going strong so um, what we do within that partnership we allow the company to bring their visitors in they can buy some of our beautiful coffee and our gorgeous tartan and sit in nice surroundings and use our toilets because that's the most important thing. And what we do in return is we give Sandymans a space to sell their tickets um, for their paid tours because the tours that we get in is a free tour. So the guides work for tips. So the free tours are always very, very busy. So... That's one, That was our first partnership. Um, we also have a partnership with the Church of Scotland. So we look after their staff canteen and their event space in um, 121 George Street. So that's the Church of Scotland headquarters. Um, we do the General Assembly catering every year. Um, we are the official caterer to the moderator of the Church of Scotland. So we go to their private residence and we do all the private dinners and everything. That's our second partnership. Um, we also had a partnership that ended in December because the time was finished um, with a global con- construction company, O'Rourke. Um, so they were doing, a they're building a huge shopping centre in Edinburgh City Centre. They've been at it for five years. Um, they asked us to come and, put put in a staff canteen um, for all their workers so we were feeding a thousand people a day. Um, We've got a partnership with another construction company. I I previously mentioned the partnership that we've got with the cathedral so partnership is very very important Um, and I would recommend anybody who's got a small business or wants wants to do something to make the world a better place is to partner up with somebody because they, they often just like I've ex- ex- explained there the opportunities become much bigger when you work together with somebody we would never have been able to provide eight jobs overnight for for our members without Sandymans, and then the partnerships with all the other companies is providing opportunities for people and that that might be employment opportunities or Because of um, their involvement, we can bring in more money. And that that provides more opportunities for our members in the grass market. So that might mean that we can buy new sewing machines for our tartan group. Or we can take a group away on the holiday for a week. Um, So partnership's massively important. And we wouldn't be where we are without partnership.
0: So Catherine, you're a visionary. You're a creative person. So, here's the question. Where will you be three years from today?
1: Um, Three years today, I think I'll probably still be here, but I'll probably have a lot more social enterprises because I've developed a new social enterprise for every year that I've been here, and I've been here for seven years now.
0: (laughs) So, any thoughts what those enterprises might be?
1: Now yeah, we've thought about expanding our wood workshop um because we've we've actually got a, a, another organization um and they deal with furniture and stuff like that. So they're looking to partner up with us. Um so we've actually got a meeting after this um with them. Um, so they get donated a lot of furniture. So we're going to be partnering up with them. We are we'll restore the furniture and then obviously they'll sell it, and then the profits will be split between each charitable organization.
0: So, going forward, will you be in more communities in Scotland, or will you expand into Ireland, or UK, or what's your thinking?
1: I think we, we've spoken about expanding in Scotland before, because we're a very small cha- standalone charity here in Edinburgh. <clears throat> We've we've spoken about maybe expanding into other cities in Scotland, but we think if we expand, our ethos will be lost, and the people that are very much at the heart of it will have to would have all their um, they'd just be diluted. So I don't think it's that's not something that's on the cards um, at the moment. But we do a lot of talking to people and a lot of helping other organisations. Um, to help them be successful how, how we're successful. Uh, we've won a lot of awards um, for our social enterprises. Um, we've won numerous awards. We've won the um, best social enterprise in Scotland. We've won best not-for-profit cafe in Scotland. We've won most Impi- inspiring partnership, and that was with uh, Lang O'Rourke. Um, and my favourite award that we've won is we won an award for having the cleanest toilets in Edinburgh during the Edinburgh Festival. And that really is a feat if you've ever been to Edinburgh during the Edinburgh Festival. And then very recently we had a royal visit last week and Prince Prince William um, wanted to come and visit us. So he visited us last week and he heard all about our social enterprises.
0: Did he check out the toilets?
1: He didn't check out the toilets, and we had one specially prepared for him just in case. Very disappointed.
0: <laughs> so at my end, we uh, we met with the other prince. Uh, he was in Canada for the Invictus Games.
1: Prince Harry, eh?
0: Yes. And... Uh, how do people in Scotland feel by, about uh, Harry moving to the United States?
1: You know, I think everybody everybody had a soft spot for both boys. Um, I'm calling them boys. Um, they had a, a soft spot for both princes and felt that they, they brought a really, really fresh appeal to the royal family. But I think people in in Scotland and probably the UK actually are a bit disappointed in Harry just now because he he said he wanted to move away from the limelight, but he's constantly on the TV and constantly being interviewed about how he felt and how he was treated. And I think if he wanted to move away from the limelight, he should have moved away from the limelight and just kept quiet. That's my my personal opinion, not the grass market's opinion.
0: (laughs) Okay, well, it's been a pleasure talking to you and uh, the many (laughs) things that that you're doing, the good things that you're doing. And how do people reach your website?
1: So our website is a very easy website to remember. It's www.grassmarket.org.
0: Oh, that is definitely easy.
1: It's very easy. Um, and our social medias, our Facebook page is the same. So it's just Grass Market Community Project. And um, our Twitter is at GCP underscore Edinburgh.
0: Well, thank you for your time. It's been a real pleasure. And I think no, a lot you. of our listeners will enjoy listening to your story.
1: No, that's great. Thank you very much for having me.